Yeah, everybody, what's up? This is episode seven of the Ask a Jazz Dude show where Kadesh Flow comes through. All right, everybody. Uh, what's up? This is uh, Marcus Lewis, and this is episode seven of the Ask a Jazz Dude Show with uh, rapper, trombonist, and producer Kadesh Flow. So, uh, for the few people out there that don't know who you are, man, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, I'm Kadesh Flow. I am a, as Marcus said, a rapper, uh, trombonist, and a producer, probably in that order from a mastery standpoint. I grew up in the state of Alabama, across the bay from Mobile, in a little town called Spanish Fort. Went to the University of Alabama, where I studied media production, kind of built my own major. Ran away from music three or four times, and while I was working on my MBA, actually, I started, I realized that I just had to do music, finally, after like the fourth time running away, and I really started going after it in a lot of senses. Uh, I, there was a, a six-month period where I released a track on YouTube every week and really kind of built an online following there that led to some national gigs. Took a job in Kansas City, worked in Kansas City in various tech spaces for four years, and seven and a half months ago, I left my full-time career in fintech to do music full-time, and now I'm touring and making albums and stuff. Wow, man! So, like, yeah, that's that's very cool. I always wondered uh, what what uh, why you came from Alabama to Kansas City, so uh, for for a job. That's uh, cool, man. It's I'm excited for this show, man, because it's. Uh, oh, what's up, Sam Wiseman? Uh, good to see you on here, man. Uh, Sam has got a show on KKFI that's coming up at one o'clock. Yeah. So be make sure to tune into that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. All right, so. Um, yeah, man. So, like, I'm just I'm happy for you, man, to see you out here doing your thing. It's good to see, you know, like young brother doing his thing. You know, <laughs> you know. Well, I, I should retra- like because when people say brother, it's like you know, ten years ago that was cool, but like whenever I see a dude, it's like I just met. They're like, "Yo, what's up, my brother? Like, how's it do?" Like, I give him like three more times to say it, and then I'm like, "Watch out for this dude," because it's like you know, yeah. Like through my experience, it's like, yeah, my brother. You know what I'm saying? So now I just meant, you know. Uh, trombone brother or whatever, but you also. Oh uh, yeah, we're, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting wild out here. All right, so uh, if you are watching, uh, let us know where you're watching from. Man, the camera's doing some weird focusy stuff. Ah, oh, there it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, yeah, let us know in the comments uh, where you're watching from or what you're doing. And we'll bring your comments in. Um, start to ask if you have some questions for Kadesh. Uh, you know, just start to put them in the comments, and we'll try to get to as many of them as we can. All right. So, yeah. So from Alabama, tell us a little bit. Growing up, um, I think I read in your bio you started rapping and playing the trombone at eleven. Yeah. So tell us like how that all came to uh, transpire. 
So trombone actually happened. This is, I, I love this story, and I don't tell it a lot. I need to tell it more. Uh-oh. So I was in fifth grade in elementary school, and um, we had the recorder class. So I'm a nine, ten-year-old or whatever, playing recorder. It's terrible. It's squeaky and squawky <laughs> and whatever. I don't know how that lady tolerated that many kids playing recorder. That Elementary music educators are a special saintly breed of people, yeah. first of all. Yeah, but for sure. At, at the end of the year, she was trying to see who wanted to actually be in band, the beginning band, and so she played all the instruments. And when she got the trombone, it sounded like fart noises. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I want to be able to make fart noises. That's so cool. <laughs> and I chose trombone because she slid it up and down and it sounded like fart noises to me. Um, so the next, the next school year at 11, I started playing trombone. Two weeks after that, we were on the back of the school bus riding home. My cousin had made up this parody to the Destiny's Child joint, Say My Name. And he was joking on somebody. We were just roasting each other. And he yeah. said, uh, close your mouth, close your mouth. Your breath smells like onions, sour cream, and fun. Yes, you need to close your mouth. <laughs> also, a funny story for how I started rapping. Um, so I made up a rap to that. Oh, okay. It was trash. Um, I'm not gonna do it. So Joe Joe Budden wouldn't approve. No, Joe <laughs> Budden would would just destroy me on it. What does he What does he like struggle. approve of, anyways? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Budden is just angry, but I understand yeah. some of his angry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's how I started rapping. So that was like two, maybe three weeks after I started playing trombone, and um, as I became more passionate about both, uh, they kind of have been in the same field for me. And the journey between the two is conflicted at some points, but it's really been more of a back and forth and helped me to go after the histories of both and try to do right by both cultures and everything along those lines. And that's kind of what got me here. So it's pretty cool. Cool. So you did play in band and did the whole thing. And then, like, when did you get to the point where you were like, I want to do this? Like, I want to, you know. Well, I guess it happened about three different times. So, um, I'd say like what got me in the rap is different from what made me who made me want to rap, really want to take it seriously. So I got in the rap because of the people that you might think about, like Lil Wayne and Jay Z and Eminem and Nas and Pac and all these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and trombone wise, I was listening to a lot of JJ Johnson. I was listening oh, cool. to a lot of Bill Watrous and Andy Martin and um, Slide Hampton and Slide all those guys, uh, uh, Frank Rosalino. Um, and I thought that I would take trombone seriously. I didn't feel like hip-hop was a good place for me because when I was in high school, that was really when when the roots of trap music were taking, were taking effect and Jeezy was blowing up. And, and um, you know, I think my sophomore year was when the, the Carter II came out, which is I still think is Wayne's greatest album. Right. Um, but it wasn't a place for a, a young nerdy guy who started rapping in the church and, like, you know, and had like a lot of positive messages and watched anime all the time to to have a place in mainstream hip hop. At the time, I didn't know a lot about underground hip hop. And um, so I just was like, oh, I'll just be a good rapper, but it'll be on my own time. I'll mix it with trombone. Maybe I'll start a band. Right. I um, So I, I was heavy on the trombone thing. Um, I was going to go to Georgia Tech, had money to go. Alabama kind of just... Wheeled me in, um, right. got a full ride, 
and I was going to do music, and I realized I wanted to do a bunch of other stuff, so I did this thing in Alabama called New College, which is an interdisciplinary studies program. Mm. You get a team of advisors and build your own major. It's a really amazing program. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. And I went through that and really was studying a lot of jazz, but kind of on my own terms, um, and studying media, studying business, and all this stuff. I... Um, there's a, that quote that says, if you're good at something artistic and you're good at anything practical, do the practical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, where basically they give you this idea in America that if you're only good at art, then you should do art because you have to. But if you're good at something else, do something else because it's safer. Right. So I ran away from music uh, because I'm good at a lot of things. Um, I was always good academically, blah, 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 blah. Um, put together a band my junior year, started playing shows, Mm. really got into that. And then I landed an internship at the Cannes Film Festival in the south of France. Oh, Um, crazy. So the end of my junior year, um, I'm in France. My job as an intern was to be an assistant to the guy who managed all the event production for the American Pavilion. Mm. And so I was in all these panels with all these huge people when they talked about movies. I set their mics up and like talked to them, got some knowledge from them. All these people, Brian Gosling, Michelle Lewis, Michelle Williams, all these huge people, James Franco, like just ridiculous people. And there was a producer, and it's sad, I can't even tell you this guy's name. Um, And it was just random, and I was taking a break, and I sat... I asked him if I could sit at his table to have some water, mm. and he had talked to the lady who uh, sponsored the program from Alabama, and I guess she had let him listen to my music, uh, which at the, I've always been a, a good rapper. My production was pretty terrible back then, <laughs> um, and uh, I've been fighting that, that battle ever since, but he was like, you know, you're, you're really good. You have a lot of potential. Your production needs to be better. What are you, you going to do? And I was like, well, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get a job and maybe film, like, as a PA or something like that. I go to L.A. or New York, mm-hmm. knock on some doors, you know, try to build a little bit of a movement and catch a deal. And he was like, that's a terrible idea. Um, and At least he's, he's honest. Yeah, he was. He was, he was I, I forever appreciate this guy. Um, long story short, like, this is a guy who, work, who works on some major films, but he had... Uh, he um, had some ties to the music industry, like knew Shawty Lowe and some other people. Okay. And he explained to me the concept of the 360 deal and how labels were losing money, because uh, I didn't know much of anything about the music industry at this point. He explained to me how labels were losing money, so they started signing, especially MCs, to deals where they took a cut of everything that the MC did, period. Like, wow. had nothing to do with them. Yeah. And he also explained to me um, how labels sometimes will sign you just because they're developing somebody who already sounds like you and they want to keep you in the shadows to develop this other guy. And he was just talking about all the risks that were taking place from a, from signing a deal now as an artist with no leverage. Um, and he was talking about how, you know, Drake had leverage. Right. Know, when, when he signed with Young Money and everybody was trying to sign him, like, he had a bunch of leverage. So, um... I don't know why he's doing that. Um, that really was like kind of a deterrent for me because I was like, well, what do I do? I'm in, I'm not in any kind of music market, so right. Uh, I kind of ran I I ran away again a little bit, and then I woke up in the middle of the night a few months later and was like, I'm gonna go ahead and just do my MBA now. I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna apply for some schools. Got an Alabama's MBA program. Tried to be a good 
good, you know, graduate student of business, didn't play any shows, didn't try to record, made the worst grades I think I've ever made, um, and <laughs> started playing shows again. And basically, the the final kickoff really was uh, I was listening to a lot of Lupe Fiasco. I was ironically in Alabama listening to a lot of Tech Nine and a lot of Chris Calico. <laughs> uh, I find it so ironic that I live in Calico and in, in, in uh, Kansas City and like know these people now because like that because I literally I so I fell in love with hip hop for one thing, but I decided that I wanted to actually take a shot at rapping because I was inspired by. Lupe, because he was kind of a unicorn at the time, being a huge nerd who rapped about nerdy things in a lot of his content, but who, like, went major and was huge. Um, tech for the independent grind and just the weirdness still building in the organic fan base. And then Mega Ran, who literally was rapping about video games, got licensed by Capcom. Yeah. And I'm following these people in 2011, 2012. It inspires me to put out a Skyrim rap on YouTube. Hadn't really put anything on YouTube before. I got like 10,000 views in a week. Ooh. And um, then like my inbox started blowing up and I started getting shared by all these video game um, music, like entertainment outlets. Dude, that's like, man, that's like so crazy, the power of like social media and, you know, the internet. Like I feel like a lot of musicians, like in particular, probably not so much hip hop, but like jazz musicians, like they kind of like run from social media and like use it in the wrong way. So it's just great to see like that you can literally be like a fan of someone and then just because of one post that you post on social media gives you some sort of notoriety and like leverage to end up being in a position to meet these people and like work with them. That's that's you know, that's amazing. <laughs> it's 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 and that's like the truth. Oh, uh Prince Dykes is on here. Uh Prince is he's we grew up together. His uh, his mom taught me in preschool. Uh, Prince, man, I need to actually talk to you because it'd be great to have you on the show. He has a show called The Investor Show, yeah. uh, and I think his uh, company is Royal Financial Group. But, uh, yeah, he's got a great YouTube channel. He, like, interviews people like Warren Buffett, oh, and he comes awesome. from our little country town, you know. You know Waynesboro, Deep so South, he's man. he's crushing it. Um, so it'd be good to get you to some investment advice. Uh, we could do a show, uh, maybe like investment advice geared towards uh, people who don't make a steady paycheck, like artists. You know, uh, people who are independent contractors, basically. So that that's a great idea, man. You know, if you got the time, I know you're super busy, but uh, good to see you on here, Prince. Um, anyways, sorry to cut you off. Oh I just, no, you're yeah. good, man. Yeah, so it's a lot. Uh, yeah. That story, that story is always longer than I than I, I think it is. Because um, I, I interned. I mean, I, I emailed Mega Ran in 2011 when he was on tour with MC Chris um, and asked him if he took interns. And it's funny because like we tour and do tracks together now and all this stuff. And um, the first time I was with him at a show was at Magfest in 2016, which was really what kind of set a lot of things off for me. Mm. Um, in his hotel room, we were like, hey, do you remember when I emailed you and asked you if you took interns <laughs> like five years ago? <laughs> but yeah, that's basically what happened. Um, uh, I, From the Skyrim thing, I started releasing content, and a buddy of mine who I met on the internet after the Skyrim thing, an MC who goes by Richie Branson, he's doing all this crazy stuff now, but he had actually come off of a getting screwed over 
from a record label situation mm. and just released a, a Star Wars mixtape called Cold Republic based on the soundtrack for the MMO The Old Republic. We started emailing each other and stuff, and he started releasing a track a week, called, and it was called Otaku Tuesdays. Um, and that was something I was thinking about doing but didn't have time to do because I was a first-year MBA student. Um, and that blew him up in, a, in, like, in this niche subgenre of hip-hop. He toured with MC Chris, and that summer, I started releasing uh, a song a week. Um, I had some internships not work out, and you had to have an internship. So I walk into the grad school office and ask them if I could build an analytics project off of this content I'm creating. They said, yeah. So I just trended out, and I released. I and It was for, supposed to be for the summer, but I ended up doing it for like six months and just went off of requests. I rapped about, I think, the anime Bleach, mm-hmm. um, and people started requesting that I rap, rap about all these other games and anime, and I just started doing it. Dude, that's, um, man, it like, it, it built, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm older than you, so, like, you know, like, I just had no idea of, like, I've been using social media wrong for so long, but just, like, yeah, like, it, and it particularly, like, there are people in the hip-hop arena that are doing that, releasing the track a week, like, I think, honestly, somebody with your talent, like, you could release a song a day. Like, if you want it, like, if, yeah. if you really, like, just, like, okay, I'm going to just, like, take these two or three hours, because um, I'm sure you already got, like, tons of beats that you haven't used, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and then just, like, literally, all it takes is you and a computer, and you can basically release, I mean, release a track a day. Yeah, there's got to be some strategy yeah. with it, but Russ is probably the best example of that right now. Like, Russ is, Russ is a, a superstar now, mm-hmm. and he... As he did that more effectively than I think anybody I could think of releasing a stream of content, tons of albums, and when and when he got signed, he was able to prove that his his stuff on its own was generating hundreds of thousands of dollars a year by itself. So he was able to negotiate a partnership. Um, that's a whole different thing. That's how I started taking music seriously, though. I always was going to play trombone, um, and then once I really started taking hip hop seriously, I started try to find a way to take trombone seriously again um and you know fast forward a few years and we're here yeah that's man that's great um i i mean just to kind of talk about that a little bit i'm gonna do the same thing like i need to just figure out a way to do it but i'm gonna like have you know like a jazz release like music just constantly because uh, I think we're in the like wrong mindset of basically, all right, man, like, go on social media. Hey, guys, I'm playing at the 123 Club from 8 to 11. Like, come through or whatever. And then it's like, that's like all you're posting about is your gigs. And then, like, people are like, why should I, like, why should, because we, we live in a society now where people need to, like, get stuff. Like, you know, like, the days of, like, you printing, you know, 5,000 CDs and, like, selling them to people is over. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, like, people can literally go on Spotify and, like, listen to your music for free. Like, or for nine ninety nine a month or whatever, you know? So, yeah, I think people need, like, a lot of content from uh, people um, in order to, like, feel like they can really roll with you. Like, they feel like they're connected to you. As opposed to you just, like, asking for... Hey, here's my product. Like, buy it. It's kind of like people need to like 
feel like they're apart first, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, at that, there's no... People don't really buy from you unless they're invested in you some kind of way. Yeah. Like, at these these anime and video game conventions I play at, mm-hmm. like, we sell so much stuff. Because everybody, everybody there, like, knows who you are, and they're invested in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that me- that means they want to, like, have a piece of it. Like, mm-hmm. it's a... They don't even care about listening to this they, they want to say that they bought something and mm. have it as like a token of yeah. their fandom and, and their connection to the art that you're putting out that matters a lot more now especially with an independent up and coming artist in any genre than really yeah. um, really how good your art is because I, I, I've talked to a bunch of people about this but what I guess one of the one of the three big lessons I've learned, because I'd say I could boil everything down to three lessons that like I've, I've stuck with, but one of them is that it's really a lot more about your audacity and your connection, your, your audacity to actually try to connect with people at the expense of you making art that you might not make money on. Mm-hmm. Um, that matters more than how talented you actually are um, in, in every every category as far as your exposure to certain things and certain people beyond the local level, um, especially in, in the field of, of hip-hop. There are tons of people who can wrap circles around anybody who just, like, rap in a cypher in their garage and uh, maybe come to a local show every so often but don't, don't know anything about promotion, don't know anything about marketing, don't know how to strategize a release. Um, and that and all that stuff matters, and I think really the translation between that and jazz is a guy who's like heavily in both worlds on the local level, especially um, now. It's just um, a lot of a lot of jazz musicians I know really they come and they play and they connect with people on a personal level, and then never really make the connection of hey, all these people who I know who think I'm awesome, I can connect these dots in a better way than I'm doing now. Yeah, man, it's like a, it's like, it's like an elite, it's like an elitist kind of thing. Like because somebody who studies jazz, like out of any music, I think is like, well, I mean, hip hop can be the same way. Like because just the amount of like study that you have to do. Like if you're trying to be like, like, like flow like you do, like lyrically, like most people can't just do that. Now. Like you have to listen to a lot of music, and yeah. you know, um, so it's the same way. Like people put so many hours in the practice rooms, like hours and hours and so they feel like they're like entitled because I know so much about music that like I'm great and it's like yeah you are great but like who cares like the market is going to tell you like what how great your music is yeah I don't I don't know if I've told you this story um my senior year of college uh Beth Gottlieb, who's Danny Gottlieb's wife, Danny Gottlieb's ridiculously recorded prolific jazz drummer, she was the interim percussion instructor at Alabama my senior year. Mm-hmm. And we had a jazz concert where they're friends with, the well, he's passed away since then, but they were, they were friends with Lou Soloff, the trumpet player from Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, really prolific guy. Um, so they were able to get him to Alabama to play with the jazz ensemble for the low. And it's like Danny and Beth and their kids, who are ridiculous, playing and then the jazz ensemble and it's this cooking concert auditoriums packed lose on a wave and he starts pointing at everybody people just pointing at random people to solo mm. when it was supposed to just be him i got pointed out um i still don't think i've ever played a solo that that, that was that good and that was when i was playing consistently and practicing all the time mm-hmm. um 
so Lou calls the inter intervention early or intermission early and pulls me into the green room and he asks me what I'm going to do and tell him I'm about to get an MBA. He's like, well, I just want to tell you, you could like not finish school. He was like, let me preface this by saying I know a ton of trombone players who can play <clears throat> circles around you. Uh, technically, they can play circles around you, but you can move to New York and be very successful as a jazz trombone player right now because you sell who you are and you sell what you play so well. And it, he, he told me, he was like, it emanates off me. And one of the wishes that I regret is that I was hoping that one day when I'm more successful in the industry, I could find him and thank him for telling me that. Because yeah, that's, that's, that's great. my life. That's uh, when he passed away. Yeah. But that lesson to what you're saying, it's like it doesn't, you can know you can know everything and be the best player, but you have to be able to sell yourself, sell sell how you what you're actually playing in the moment and connect with people, and that's really more important than anything else. Dude, I feel it the same way. It's like, man, like there are so many dudes that could play the trombone better than us, but like they're gonna be, they're probably like on the couch right now, like <laughs> playing PlayStation because they don't have <laughs> like they don't have gigs. <laughs> I'm just being real, like, I mean, you have to be good, you have to be good at, you can't, like, suck, you can't suck and then, like, expect people to call you for gigs, but it's like, man, like, like, there's so much other, you know, things to it, uh, Kyle Crawford says, what's good, Kadesh Flow, baby, roll time. Uh, what's up, Kyle, what's up, <laughs> <happening>, man, <laughs> uh, roll time, bro. Uh, so, yeah, so anyways, man, you were talking about your, uh, relationship with uh, Mega Ran um, and so this is one of the tracks that I decided to actually play because um, it's, it's a little bit newer right mm -hmm. um, and so Church is the track that I chose uh, so tell us a little bit about that and like um, so Rand actually taught me a really huge lesson with this song, ironically, because he has a, a pretty successful Patreon. Um, Patreon is a crowdfunding site. It's a good way to engage with people who really, really support you. They subscribe, basically, to you. You mm -hmm. send them exclusive content. So he releases stuff. He releases like two, three, four, five songs a month, depending. And he he's at the point where he gets a certain amount of money per song. Mm -hmm. uh, but he releases these songs and he'll release them early on Patreon get feedback, explain like how he made them and those guys get the early cuts and then he'll release it broader uh, based on the feedback and, and that like kind of determines how he pushes the song so he came at and I was kind of on the fence about Patreon before mm -hmm. this but he uh, shot me this beat it was a stupid good Mario flip right mm -hmm. for, like I think King Koopa's Dungeon is the same yeah. And um, he was like, yeah, just uh, flex on the track, man. I know you and I aren't really into doing that a whole lot. You know, we're both kind of talking about issues of life and fun stuff. But, you know, just flex on the track. Yeah. his verse. So, you know, I spazzed out a little bit. And uh, Yeah, dude, the Poseidon, <laughs> what is it? Like you said, uh, you're like Poseidon, Trident. Uh, Find out this year, Renegades, Deep Water, Oceanic Flows, I Manipulate. <laughs> Yeah, when I heard, I was like, oh my god! Ah! Yeah, it was, yeah, that was killer. So anyways, this is uh, Mega Ran and Kadesh Flow uh, Church. Uh, leave in the comments what you guys think. Uh, was, Kade was Kadesh flexing or not? Let's see. <laughs> Alright, here's Church. Maybe. Make this 
Heavy set ghosts. Shout out to Styles B. You can find me ripping MICs. It's 9 3. Women black like the MIBs. Don't mind me, MCs. You ain't in my league. You gotta be yet another counter, but be considered a challenger. Post up by most ducks, mimicking parrot you. Combos are lies when they hit it and barrish you. You gon' make me really slip and get out of character. Back in the days, I was shy and embarrassed. Now, what I write in a tablet has got me flying to Paris, and that's whoa. Rocking the flyers of fabrics until I lie in the casket. Remember, I am a classic. Let's go. Mega taking your breath away Soon as you press and play You'll be an ex to say so I'ma spit those bars over these beats so hard That they remind you of freshman day Used to want the double XL Now I'm a 3X Used to call me idiot Now they call me genius I ain't with the BS You see it and you believe it And your arms too short The box you like a T-Rex Fat boy with the retro tees Got the whole crowd spazzing Like they just OD Rep your team Just recognize that we running it I'm providing the punishment You deny but you loving it huh? Presidential steeds on my Jack Tunney. They see me on the move, so they act funny. No plan trying to get up on my grown man. Who else in the state fund the honeymoon with rap money? Yeah. Spit game, rip lanes. Dudes are confused like bloods at a Knicks game. Shoot the lights out. I'm a book of flight now. Just to bump YG in front of the White House. Uh, I never said I'm the greatest. I never said that I made it. I said I'm only a player that came in here to make a statement. I don't care where I'm rated. I'm correct with the payment. I'll bring it to you like a wave. Dion, beyond, you a peon, you ain't a rapper, finally something we agree on, undefeated rapper leaders, what? don't mention me with anyone in figs unless you put greater than between it, yeah. if you scared, go to church, I solemnly swear that I've been a problem, homie, and if you dare, spit that verse, you read it, I eat it, and I delete it, homie, if you scared, go to church, make it get that flow, the best flow, you know, and if you dare, spit that verse, you probably verse. should get committed, or maybe verse. consider quitting, homie. what up? Work while I eat and I can't sleep Cause while I sleep somebody's getting ahead of me They try to hang but they're falling behind Steadily, heavily, relying every minute That I get to breathe on drive that survives Despite every job that's rescued me from struggle Rap and poverty, strict and scared of the enemies That I've gotta be getting theoretically in the studio And dropping these distance, hoping the proper attention Will lead to spots of conviction I help me top competition with any contender Who's thinking they can knock at me Listen, I've dealt with surface lurking But I'm never moccasin' bitten Steadily cooking, you can smell it That's a rock with the written. Guess I'm feeling myself if the kid can surmise a guest chat just get exploded the way a tie fighter gets one face and the fucking Hans gonna yell yes it's great listen homie i don't mean to get this way i just zone and then i lyrically elevate dangerous and heinous it's in bison when he levitates beside it and try to fight no dissy and renegades deep water oceanic flows i manipulate i feel sorry like hunger someone's getting ate up i throw plates and sack numbers lifted weight up the dream is getting stronger yo this isn't made up i won't get any younger so i hit it yeah if you scared, go to church. I solemnly swear that I've been a problem, homie. And if you dare, spit that verse. You read it, I eat it, and I delete it, homie. If you scared, go to church. Make it red, get that flow, the best flow, you know. And if you dare, spit that verse. You probably verse. should get committed or maybe consider quitting. Homie. What up? Yeah. <laughs> if you scared, go to church. All right. So that was cool. Uh. Man, all right, I gotta get myself together. <laughs> so, the beat goes so hard, man. Appreciate it, man. Ah. Yon Lee, man, you can find him pretty easily online. Awesome, man. Yeah, so um, you were saying uh, Meg is gonna be here March twenty first, twenty third, twenty third. Sorry. Yep. Um, yeah. at Riot Room with Samus, who is blowing up right now. Um, and she's an incredible uh, young black femme C. Cornell PhD student working on our dissertation while touring, and they're in, they're touring Europe right now, um, and they're going to be with a guy named Numb Mike Joshua, who's in a huge uh, 
a couple huge like European outfits, but he's also an independent, a super like nerdy MC, uh, and I'm on that show as well. So that's gonna be a dope situation. Yeah, cool, man. So, um, if you're watching the the feed right now, be sure to like. Uh, the Ask a Jazz Dude page. Be sure to share it. Uh, that's how we get more people involved. Love to see some questions still. I uh, haven't seen any questions. People are just commenting, which is cool. But if you got any questions for uh, Kadesh, uh, go ahead and start putting those in the comments. Um, so you and um, Megan Rand are founders of the Nerdy People of Color Collective. So talk, talk a little bit about is that did I say that right? Yeah, yeah okay. Very people of color collective. I would not. Uh, I guess technically I'm a co-founder because I'm a core core member. But it's really uh, ran and then you know bringing a few of us together. Um, so the the whole purpose of that initially, like ran, if just a little bit about nerdcore. Nerdcore is a very. Uh, I love this subgenre of hip hop. It's really about you know sci rapping about sci-fi and tech. And, video games and anime and everything that nerds really care about. All of this stuff is going mainstream right now, which is very convenient for a lot of us. Um, but one thing that, that was is easy, easily noticeable if you look at early nerdcore is there are like no black people, no people of color at all, um, not, mm. not really any women. Um, Ran is the first MC really to be in nerdcore. actually sounds like hip-hop. He's like a West Philly cat, if I'm not mistaken, or North Philly, but he's a Philly cat. Mm. Um, really, you know, East Coast Sal. He's got bars for days and references and flips and punches for days. Um, who's rapping about video games and licensed by Capcom and you know a lot of a lot of stuff. And he really saw his rise as an opportunity for him to open open the door, kind of knock through some of the glass ceiling right. uh, for for nerds who are MCs who are, you know, black and Asian and Hispanic and what have you. And there are a few of us he saw online, including myself, he pulled together to put together the Nerdy People of Color Collective. So it, the, there's a lot of people in the general network now because the purpose of it is to create a creative space for, um, for you know, PLC creators who are nerds in a lot of different areas. But the primary group is mostly MCs, with the exception of uh, Xavier Woods, who's you know, a WWE superstar. He's in the Nerdy People of Color Collective. And uh, Eric Medina, who is a designer, he earns he owns Nerds Clothing, which actually does a lot of licensing for the WWE. There's mm. a like, strong wrestling connection. Wow. Um, but otherwise, there's Richie Branson, who's a rapper who uh he he made the beat that blew up a rapper uh who went by bone out of san, san antonio that um that uh la reed signed uh richie and his partner solar slim ended up getting screwed over uh, and and the management deal signing situation um he ended up starting to rap about video games built his own tune from that he started coding uh, he founded a thing called Otaku Gang where he released a thing called Life After Death Star, which was notorious B.I.G. lyrics and Star Wars sampled beats. That went super viral. Um, he was coding, like, Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z and the Street Fighter, and Bleacher Report hired him to start making content. Now he's a lead designer for Bleacher Report's social media team, but he's also touring wow. actively. Um, so that's Richie. There's Samus, who I was talking about earlier. She's a... Uh, Kind of, she's signed to Don Giovanni, which is a typically a very political punk indie label, but they signed her, 
and she's been making a lot of moves. Her last album, Pieces in Space, got a really great review from uh, Pitchfork, and she's making all, everybody writes about her stuff when she releases anything, like NPR and all these people. And there's a bunch of us. Um, uh, there's a, a great uh, young Asian rapper uh, who goes by Shubzilla out of Seattle, who literally um, was a hip-hop dancer until, you know, she's, you know, she I think she got an injury and she was like, well, I can't keep dancing. And she just started rapping. It was like she's been rapping for like four years and it's, and it's touring and stuff. Um, a lot of really dope people in this collective and uh, we just kind of build off of each other and we travel around the country doing these conventions. We basically show up and really kind of uh, make our presence known at these conventions because one of us or, more, or multiple members of the collective will be main stage performers those who aren't will end up side stage performing and we'll like Magfest this year for example we had two main stage performers in the collective a few side stages like Saturday at Magfest was really kind of us across a bunch of stages wow um, we've got three or four of us who have official showcase performances at South by Southwest this year including myself um, we're just kind of growing um, really really trying to grow and, and build an empowerment center for people who haven't felt like they had an entryway in, which is kind of what we felt like for a while. So, you know, we'll be at these conventions and there will be young, black, you know, super nerds with bars and they'll basically say, you know, we we real, we started doing this because we saw y'all doing it. And we're like, oh, I could actually rap about, you know, Naruto and or Yu Yu Hakusho or something, and it's okay, and, like, folks aren't going to hate on me for it, you know? Yeah, because, man, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it was always the case. We got we got a, uh, a question here from um, Sam Wiseman. He's saying, uh, let's see if I can pull it up. Okay. Do you have any concerns about hip-hop entering academia a la jazz did in the 50s? Yes, uh, absolutely, I do. Um, but I think hip-hop is... Both, I think some of it's intentional, but I think there's an aspect of hip-hop that's kind of being protected um, inadvertently by how crass some of it is in like a, kind of a beautiful sense, like the N-word is a good example. I think, there's, I think that process is taking longer um, because um, it's still, in a lot of senses, even though it's like dominating charts, it's still, like a, it's still kind of a black space. It doesn't mean there are no black people in it. Um, but I, I think it's going to take longer, but I'm, I'm still really concerned about it. Coming into academia, being being sterilized like other, you know, historically black music forms and, you know, everything that, you know, basically becoming gentrified like anything else. Yeah. Um, man, like we could do, man, a whole shit, like, because, like, I'm in jazz ac academia, but, like, also, like, I see a lot of problems with it. So it's like... um yeah, I think the difference with jazz and hip-hop is that, like, there's people that still don't consider hip-hop or rap as music. Like, oh, rap, it's not music, blah, 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 blah. But I think the people that are doing it don't care about the recognition of those people. Like, all they care about is, like, whoever's rolling with them, like, your, you know, your collective or the anime crowd or, you know, whatever. As opposed to when jazz, you know, like, when it was coming up and getting more popularity it was kind of like not seen as music either. Mm -hmm. It's like party, like party music. But then like people were like, this is art. And like we want 
you guys to respect this. So I think that's how like it got into the academia thing is like it being like some sort of art because these people were what well, I mean not like Miles Davis. People did not like Miles Davis. He didn't care. He was like you know whatever. <laughs> like I'm I'm just gonna play. Like if you like it, you like it. Cool. If you don't. But I think to like gain some sort of like that this music is actually artistic uh, is why it came into academia as opposed to like hip hop. I think the culture of that is a little bit different where it's like, yeah, like it's art or it could be just ignorant. Like, you know, some people that are like, you know, like Migos, they're like people like our stuff because it's like they don't have to think about anything when they're listening to it. It's just, you know, so it's it's like they're not going to want to be like having that music in for certain reasons why you said too like yeah. because of the content or whatever but like I see I saw some stuff on Facebook where this girl was like analyzing like Kendrick's um, flow and rhythm patterns like as opposed to Biggie and like you know like like analyzing I mean like rhythmically and like this is duplimeter and like blah blah blah, blah or, you know I'm like yeah honestly well, that's the first thing uh, my advisor um, my advisor at Alabama's guy named Andrew Dewar he travels all around the world and like I don't I still don't know how Alabama got him as a professor it was like such a blessing to sit under him but he studied under Anthony Braxton um, uh. and um, he one of the things I, I did an independent study with him and it was like exploring hip hop and its intersection with comics and that's it and that's and and, and video games and like how those things uh, related to Kandinsky's um, theories about composition being more like combinations of things in the future versus actually pushing one particular art medium forward. Okay. Well, I, I rapped a lot on the project and the first thing he said to me, he was like, there's so much you're doing metrically that's really just unreal. And he doesn't listen to a lot of hip hop and I think that was the first time I really saw somebody who was very highly intellectual, highly academic, um, and, and a great musician actually like call out how impressive a rapper's like rhythm is. And it was me at an amateur level, so that you know that really turned me on to something there. But uh, to your point about the um, perception of it, even when it is in an academic space, a lot of times it seems like people don't know what to do with it. And, a, and an example of that is really when. Um, when Harvard had Black Thought in, and he just dropped this ridiculous acapella, just yeah. oh, oh my god, just, yeah, yeah. Um, at Harvard, and it's just like they're trying at you know one of the highest level academic institutions in the world. They are trying to do because they recognize how important hip hop is, <laughs> but they still very obviously don't know what to do with it. Yeah, and my um, one of my mentors at Alabama, he. Um, was one of the editors for the for Yale's anthology of hip hop, mm-hmm. and they sent it to him because he's a Pulitzer-nominated poet. But he shot the pr- the the um, the intro over to me just to see what I thought about it. He was like, "Is this like, you know, are they trying too hard with this? Like, what? Because because yeah. it's just it's a space. Oh, thing. Harvard is trying too hard. Or it was yeah. Yale. In this I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. He was like, you know, I don't just it just is a space that I think academics aren't sure what to do with still and I think that's that's good I think it's good that it's it has such an impact and people don't really know how to handle all of it still yeah so it's like so we got about 10 minutes here um yeah so speaking of jazz and uh, academia we have a show coming up yes <laughs> uh, jazz and hip hop and academia and uh Friday at the Granada and it's sponsored by uh, KU um, the African American Studies department there. Um, so it's just like a talk 
I think that's okay. But like, yeah, like trying to teach, you know, like rap. I don't know. It just seems like whatever. So like, we got this show coming up. It's this thing we're doing called uh, Brass and Bougie that uh, basically started over a couple of drinks at the Blue Room. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but uh, so I want to kind of give people a taste of like what they're gonna get. Um, and so one of the songs that so basically it's the music, your music, and then uh, Kemet. The Phantoms music, who he couldn't be here, unfortunately. But, um, and then I did the arrangements for it, and it's my big band, so it's kind of a, a, a mesh of like jazz and hip hop together. Um, and so I'm gonna do a talk about, you know, the connection between jazz and hip hop. Uh, it's like a 30 minute talk, and then we're just gonna play, um, which would be cool. The concert is free. Um, I'll be posting stuff all week about it. Free. free. Uh, but this tune that I'm going to play is uh, one, of the, one of my favorites of yours, and it's like great content, um, subject matter, uh, it's post-racial. It's so. also exclusive because it's not out yet. Oh! Yeah, which so is, can I, oh, yeah, you can totally play it. Okay. Um, yeah, so you, you're hearing it here. Uh, I think you... Uh, okay, I'll get to that in a second. Well, here's post-racial. Yeah. So how you gonna say? 
for the record. Black Americans are sick of gang violence too. Sick of kids most offensive and saying Mike is cool. Wanna get the youth confidence to make classic moves. No one groups you with Jews from and race trying to do. Spend more time on that than protesting all the cops. Make sure little Marcus isn't posted on the block. Teach him so he's not likely to grow up and get shot. But not the privilege and keep controlling all the shots. If my father and left us ever slow until you talk. Just the best mechanism to like the conversation. Stop a risk and tell us you don't some investigation. All right, so that was uh, Kadesh Flow, his uh, tune that hasn't been released yet, uh, post-racial. So, um, Anyways, man, we, we got to wrap it up here. It's been a blast talking to you, man. I could We Same. could keep going, but, you know, we got an hour time on it. So. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, man, just tell people uh, you got anything to plug, like uh, what's going on. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So everything for me is at Kadesh Flow or slash Kadesh Flows. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Patreon. Uh, if you want to throw any support my way, hit me up on patreon.com slash Kadesh Flow. Lots of exclusive content coming by way of that. And I really appreciate it. The only thing, uh, I did an EP with some buddies at MAGFest this year in the hotel room between shows and parties. Um, it is, and it's very surprising to me that it's come together this way because I've been working on albums for like two years that will also be coming out later this year. Um, this thing, I uh, am going to do an early kind of pre-order kickoff release at my uh, official showcase set at South by Southwest Woo! on uh, March 17th. And um, it's looking like that's going to come out on March 23rd and I'll probably release it physically at the Mega Ran show. Um, at Riot Room on March 23rd. So that's what I got going on, or some of the stuff I got going on. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man, it's been a blast. Thank you for uh, doing this, man. And uh, yeah, follow him. I uh, just got it right there at Kadesh Flow. Um, if you want to cop that uh, track, 
there's a link for it on Spotify, the uh, Mega Ran Kadesh Flow Track uh, Church. So I don't know where else it is. That's the only place I saw. Um, Church is yeah. I think it's just on Spotify and YouTube right now. Mm. Uh, there's a remix of it that Mega Ran did, featuring Cisco actually on his album Extra Credit. And I don't rap on that. I'm just playing trombone on it. Like the uh, the synth hits are actually my trombone mixed as synth hits. Um, but Cisco is on that track. Uh, and that's on the album Extra Credit, which you get from Mega Ran like everywhere. You can think of buying albums. Nice. So, yeah, this has uh, been episode seven of the Ask a Jazz Dude Show. They have not shut us down yet. We're still going. We're still going to go strong. So we'll see you next week. Uh, I'm not sure who the guest is. I think it may be uh, Michael Schultz. I'm not sure. I'll have to look. But anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you're listening on KKFI, uh, make sure you go over to uh, Sam Wiseman's show that is starting right this second, uh, Jazz Afternoon with Sam Wiseman. You yeah. can you can listen to that on kkfi.org. So uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Squad.